Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! Yay! We have got a great episode for you. It is part two of our series on Donald Trump and the cult of MAGA. Woohoo! Um, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's pretty great. I had a great time. I think it's hilarious. I think that we learn a lot that is going to be important, uh, especially in the next episode. And I can't wait for y'all to hear it. But before we do, <laughs> we have some news and reviews. Uh, the first news is that we have a Patreon now. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast for more information. For just $5 a month, you gain access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone, and you get a shout out on the show. Um, the second news is that our show is available on Rooster Teeth now. I'm sure that this is just riveting listening for any listeners. We're like, oh, I love when people just scream bird noises into microphones. That's why people tune in, baby. 100%. Come for the cold, stay for the bird noises. <laughs> you can now listen to our show on roosterteeth.com or on the official Rooster Teeth app where you can get a bunch of other great content as well. Um, and before we get fully started, we've got another five-star review. And this hey, one... Oh, hey, this one comes to us from This Is Rooster. Uh, oh, hey. Go, go, go to you too. So it's your teeth we've been finding everywhere. <laughs> First of all, I want to start by saying I'm very offended by the racist calls that you do at the beginning of your show. <laughs> no, 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 that would have been great. No. I come from a long lineage of cocks and wait. <laughs> Same here. Don't we all? Um, they, uh, this is Rooster says, found this show after the RTX panel and it is great. Always listening to podcasts while working night shift, making it very hard to fill dot check sheets when someone starts screaming I wear a small and human but a large and bird <laughs> <laughs> so far I'm in love this is just great thank you Yay. thank you so much thank sweet. you for listening um, and I think without any further ado let's hop into the show the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Casetta! Yay! Yay! And it's Armando's week! Bow, bow, bow. Yes! Hello, it's uh, it's my week. It's, it's uh, Donald Trump and the Cult of MAGA Part 2. Yeah, Trump 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Oh, oh. That has a fun meaning we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Accurate. Eventually. Accurate. Bringing in the topical topical themes. Oh, boy. 
Trump part one was, uh, let me tell you, there's, 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 there hasn't been an episode I've been more afraid of, uh, releasing in recent history than Trump part one. Uh, I was pretty sure that a bunch of people were going to hit us up and angrily call us a bunch of, uh, Antifa members. Antifa cucks, I believe. Antifa cucks. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, I was afraid that were going to accuse us of being funded by George Soros, which, uh, honestly, George, if you're listening and I know you are. Hit us up, man. Mama wants a new house. Yeah. Or a first house, really. A first house. Any house. Yes. Mama wants more than two rooms. Let's do it. Let's what, do what? it. <laughs> Wiling out. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was it was a great response that we got. Instead, a lot of people were really interested. Uh, a lot of people didn't know the history of uh, the Trump family legacy, which is um, I, I feel very pertinent to the story. You know? Yeah, it Agreed. really is. It's uh, it's not so much the story of a self-made man as much as it is uh, a story of somebody that Donald Trump would criticize and try to keep out of the country. Uh, this week, we are going to continue our story, uh, sort of where we dropped off. But uh, before we go any further, I have some sources. And all of the information that I share or any of the facts that I give, uh, these are not things that I made up. These are not my opinions. These are things that I pulled from the following sources. We have a 1924 New York Times article with information about Frederick Trump. A 1964 Bridgeport Post article on Frederick Trump by Gerald S. Snyder. A 2020 Smithsonian article on the 1918 epidemic by Milan Solly. Uh, we have the book The Art of the Deal by Luke Schwartz. Everyone's favorite. Everyone loves <laughs> it. Also, I don't I don't know if if y'all knew this. I, Andrea certainly didn't, but a while back, uh, Funny or Die actually made The Art of the Deal, the book, the movie. <laughs> and no, but now I have to go find it. Yeah, and they cast, to play Donald Trump, they cast Johnny Depp. What? Yeah. <laughs> Armando showed me a video of Johnny Depp peeling his face, his Trump face off, and it is terrifying. I'm so upset right now. <laughs> yeah, it's really upsetting. It's very... Um... His accent is really bad, too. He does not do <laughs> yeah. a good Donald Trump. Like, considering that nowadays almost anyone can imitate Donald Trump, Johnny Depp yeah. does not do a great job. No, but if you want to see Captain Sparrow do his best to imitate Donald Trump, it is well worth it's a watch. It's very funny, yeah. Him being bad makes it better. Also, I'm impressed that you found a 1924 New York Times article. Oh, they're available. They're readily yeah, online. Yeah, I had no idea. New That's York crazy. Times has like all of their shit on their website. We also have the book The Trumps, Three Generations to Build an Empire by Gwenda Blair. Uh, and finally, we have the book Too Much and Never Enough by Mary Trump. And this is a correction on last week's episode where I said it was written by Nancy Trump. Not sure where I got the name Nancy from. Uh, shout out to the Reagan administration, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Nancy Reagan, best blowjob in Hollywood. Never <laughs> forget. What? Yeah. Yes. You didn't know, before she got married to Reagan, she had a slogan that was, uh, just say blow. <laughs> that, that's not, that wasn't her slogan. But it's been documented in many people's uh, autobiographies from the time that she uh, got around a bit in Hollywood, which, more power to her, except when she 
would then turn around and be hypocritical about it. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. 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 That seems to be uh, whenever people get in office, they seem to flip around on the things that made them who they are. And uh, you hate to see it. You know, you do hate to see it. Yeah. Just be honest about being a being a, a sex positive young lady in the 50s. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just if you're honest about it, we can change the stigma around it. But if you're dishonest and then you start persecuting others who did exactly what you did, that's shitty and that sucks. Don't do that. So. Frederick Christ Trump was born on October 11th, 1905, which is weird because I thought the birth of Christ happened in December, you know? That's just a myth. Yeah, it's a myth. It's fully in April. December was adopted to co-opt pagan holidays, but you can always tell when a Christ is born because there's shepherds, frankincense, myrrh, and a giant star over the top. (laughs) Yeah, and all of that shit was going on in New York City in 1905. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Unlike their father, a Bavarian grape farmer turned brothel-owning barber, Fred and his two siblings grew up in a single-family home in the neighborhood of Woodhaven, Queens. Unfortunately... Fred spent his teenage years in the middle of a global pandemic. The Spanish flu was spreading quickly, and his father became one of the virus's first victims in 1918. He passed away very quickly and left the family feeling very shocked and abandoned. Although Friedrich had made sure that his family would live comfortably, the Trump children felt like they had lost their father before they had a chance to actually get to know him. And make no mistake... This part of the story is extremely sad. It's also an important lesson on why you should never have another president like Woodrow Wilson. Oh, shit. Yeah. A lot of political scientists rank Woodrow Wilson as one of our best presidents, but um, if you're talking about an overly war-hungry racist with ties to white supremacy groups that refuses to take action against a global pandemic despite knowing about it for months beforehand... Yeah, it uh, it, it, that sounds like the kind of guy I would vote out of office. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how Woodrow Wilson is still only the second worst person that fits all those descriptions that's been a president. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. So the version of his father that Fred knew was one that was just presented to him. You know, it, it wasn't the actual father that existed. It was the father that he got to know through people telling him stories, whether that be um, his mother, Elizabeth Christ Trump, or, uh, you know, his other family members. It wasn't the real version. It was just the ideal version that they built up after his father had passed. To him, his father was a hardworking Bavarian immigrant who raised his kids to speak English and German, despite the fact that for totally no reason at all, they could never go back to Germany. Um, Yeah, he just kind of glossed over why. He was like, we're super proud to be Germans. And they were like, well, are we ever going to go back to Germany? He was like, ah, ha, ha. What did you say? (laughs) (laughs) I have to go out and get some cigarettes and the flu. Bye. (laughs) The thing is, too, is like, this is pretty common when a child has a parent who dies kind of early is that you never really hear the bad things about this person or the character flaws that make them truly human. You just hear the better parts of them because you, you know, they're dead. So no one wants to say like, and he fucking sucked, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Don't speak ill of the dead. Literally. At his father's suggestion, Fred had been working odd jobs starting in elementary school because apparently to Friedrich Trump, work ethic was very, very important. Or again, (laughs) so said the surviving family members. 
so from the time he was in elementary school, Fred Trump had been a delivery boy for the local butcher. He had been a caddy for the nearby golf course, and he even worked on some construction sites as what is called a horse's helper. Uh, back in the day, you needed horses to carry around lumber, but the horses had a difficult time pulling heavy loads up the steep snowy hills. So Fred would pull those big horse loads for them. And it was a very hard job, but Fred loved the satisfaction of carrying up those giant big horse loads. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Fred was great at taking giant loads. He was. He was. Fred was one of the best horse helpers I could have ever imagined. He just took the loads from the horses and just kept going. He didn't <laughs> care how much sticky white stuff he had to get through to get up those hills. He took those horse loads and he took them well. So you're saying he took the horse loads up some pretty steep slope. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, he took it and he took it well. Mm. Even got a nickname for it. They called him Mr. Hands. <laughs> <laughs> So work ethic wasn't the only trait that he admired in the made-up version of his father. Uh, he also admired his father's cunning. Because while everyone else saw work that needed to be done, Friedrich had seen the needs of the workers. Because that is where the real money was. And so when Fred was 15, he took a look around to see what needs his neighbors might have that they didn't even know about. And that's when it hit him. Over the last few years, he had seen a huge boost in the popularity of the automobile. Suddenly, everyone on his block had a car, but what they didn't have was somewhere to put their cars. Because remember, back in the day when fucking Ford was making the Model Ts, they were made out of heavy metal and wooden uh, wheels. So, like, if you had a heavy rain or, like a really angry woodpecker or something, they could take your car out fucking overnight. That's true. That's true. Woody the woodpecker actually had to serve a couple years in prison for doing that. Yeah, vandalism. for vandalism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you live if you live next to a beaver dam, you were just fucked, dude. You could never <laughs> own a car. From the time that he was little, Fred wanted to be a builder. He went from playing with blocks to putting together something that he called, quote, erector sets. That's a real thing. I, yeah, I'm sure it is. I don't know what it is personally, but to me, it sounds a lot like being a horse's helper, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, erector sets are, and they feature them in the movie The Sandlot, but erector sets are kind of like a building kit that comes with, like, steel like tiny steel rebars that have holes in them and then ratchets and bolts which allows you to kind of like ratchet and bolts bolt things together to make almost like little machines like you can make pulleys you could make huh. tracks you could make uh like towers or elevators and it's it's pretty pretty cool in the sandlot they use it to reach over into the beast's yard to try and pick up the ball and reel it back in yeah i remember that now that you say it they so basically they're just like more industrialized lincoln logs is what it sounds yeah or mm -hmm. yeah like they're like legos but made of metal and sometimes a little sharp but you can like <laughs> add a motor they're they're basically like the next step up from legos so yeah. like if you yeah. like legos when you were a child you'll like this as a middle schooler they're both one step up in concept and also uh the amount of pain you get when you step on them 
100%. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also Legos weren't in America at this time. No. And so Erector Set is what people had. They were only in uh, Denmark. And depending on the time, the guy who invented Lego could have still been trying to have made his little fucking wooden ducks. That's a real story, yes, by the way. That is a real story. And until until the factory burned down. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, the, the guy who did Lego. It, that's a story. <laughs> he is a fucking wild guy. We should do a Lego speculation zone. Hit me up, bro. I had to. You I mean hit you up? You you worked at Lego. Yeah, you can't you're just on write this, this podcast. Yeah, I was a master model builder for Lego, or technically Lego Land, and uh, we had to learn all about this guy's like history. And the first thing they make you build out of Lego is a duck, and they're like, "Now you are just like Mr. Lego yourself." And I was like, "I don't think so, fam." <laughs> I used four Lego bricks to make this thing. That guy had to spend hours carving ducks out of wood. You know how many horses helpers he had to go through to make those ducks? Okay. Quack a dozen. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm trying to say, though, basically, is that Fred could build. He was very good at building, but he was not a very good architect. However, his little brother, John, was one hell of a planner. And together, the boys teamed up and began constructing garages all over Queens. John would draw up the blueprints, and Fred would go do the construction, and then the boys would split the profits between themselves. It was actually kind of a really cool, like... That's adorable. Yeah, it's 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 almost like a Nickelodeon original movie. And a very impressive side hustle for young people. Yeah, especially since, because remember, at this point in time, when they're building garages, he's 15 years old. Yeah, the biggest problem with the garages, though, is that they were made out of those erector sets, and so they had all these little (laughs) holes in them. (laughs) They didn't do shit, dude. In 1923, at the age of 18, Fred decided to take the next step. He was going to build his first house. In order to start the job, he took out an $800 loan from his mother, which, if you're wondering, that is roughly $12,000 today. Damn. He was able to sell his first home for seven grand, which is a modern-day $100,000. Damn. So he used the profits from that first home to start work on another house, and then another, and then another, And soon Frederick was working full time with his brother, putting up homes all over Queens. But John wasn't really happy with the arrangement. He wasn't a big fan of Fred's methods. Fred would construct a building to look really nice before it was even fully functional. That way he could sell the home and use the profits to start working on the next one. He'd finish up the home as quickly as possible by cutting whatever corners needed to be cut. Mm. Let me know if this sounds familiar. Uh, The Trump way, starting with Fred, was basically to make something so flashy and bright and gaudy that you didn't realize how genuinely shitty and terrible it actually was. This is a huge problem in, in my craft as well, where I was actually just talking with someone about this the other day, is that the average consumer doesn't know the difference in quality between products unless they're well-versed in what a quality product looks like. So if something appears nice from the outside, if the packaging looks good, you might not question the the quality of the product, and it'll be good for a couple years, and then you start to find problems. 
I would say one of the perfect exemplifications of this is when Donald Trump opened his new hotel in D.C. right after the election. I don't know if you guys remember. And it people were like, it's beautiful, but it's also full of dead birds where they kept finding like dead birds trapped in like wall alcoves and stuff where they're like, you didn't even take the time to clean out the dead birds. Oh, yeah. no. no, that's fake news. Everyone knows dead birds are what keeps walls together. They're better than <laughs> concrete. These are Antifa spies and we had to kill them because the birds are working for Antifa. I don't know why he became John F. Kennedy in the middle of that. but <laughs> These are all the birds that were trying to destroy cars when my father was a boy. I buried them in my hotel. <laughs> they're all woodpeckers you'll see them uh yeah that's that's exactly what i was going to say it, it is it is something that he that that fred used as a business tactic um but it is something that donald uses where all of his buildings look like these awful gaudy just like way too flashy things and they're not actually functional. They're or or they are functional, but they're not actually well built. They just look that way so that you ignore all the corners that were cut, like birds in the fucking walls and outlets. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So John thought that this was dishonest, and he criticized Fred for always thinking about the next project before finishing his current one. And the two had a falling out and split ways as business partners not long after that. And I, when I say that they had a falling out and split ways, I don't mean that they like never talk to each other again. In fact, uh, according to an article in the Bridgeport Post, uh, he even paid for his brother John to go to college because he was like, look, man, I really don't want to work with you. Can you just fucking buy me out of the company? And rather than admit defeat, he was like, why don't you stay in the company technically and then you can just go to school and learn to be an architect or whatever bullshit you want to do. Although... I also suspect that him kind of splitting ways from his brother was um, it may have been a way for John to distance himself from Fred because Fred was known to get into a little trouble now and again. Like on Memorial Day 1927, when Fred was 21, he was detained by police in connection to a rally being held by the Ku Klux Klan. Right, bro. Yeah. Uh-oh. Details about the event are scarce, and a lot of people have made assumptions because of that. And so, basically, here is what we know. The Klan, decked out in their full white hoods and robes, held a flash mob style rally at a Memorial Day parade in Queens. Basically, they're already holding a Memorial Day parade, and then a ton of robed Klansmen just came in and were like, no, this is our parade now! And they're like, I'm just- that's not really how parades work, man. You can't just come in here and like claim a parade. Yeah, it's not the moon. Jesus. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what they did. They came in and they stuck their flag in a float and was like, clan parade now. The problem with the clan flag, though, is just, just a white flag. So it looks like surrender. It's confusing. <laughs> it's, it's all the leftover fabric. <laughs> but there's two holes for eyes. <laughs> just in the middle of the flag. Yeah. Is that is that the is that the flag of the ghost country? That flag's been dead for 40 (laughs) years. (laughs) Not long enough, baby. 
So the police did not love this flash mob, uh, and it wasn't long before an all-out brawl took place between about 1,000 Klansmen and 100 NYPD officers. Hilarious. Would pay to see. Yeah. Because now the thing is, is like, the Klansmen and the NYPD officers are like more closely linked, and that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. This well, is... my, my thing is like, how could they tell who was fighting? Yeah. Who? Yeah. 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 Uh, so at the time, part of the reason that the Klansmen were protesting is because they thought that they were being treated unfairly by the uh, Irish Catholic police officers that were that made up a bulk of the NYPD, at least in that area. Mm. The main issue, honestly, that the KKK hates Catholics. Yeah, that is that is is a big part of it. In fact, uh, that portion of the Klan claimed to be all native born Protestants. That's that's what they labeled themselves as. Sure. So seven men were arrested, and most articles about the event described them as berobed members of the Ku Klux Klan. These seven men included Frederick Trump, Frederick Christ Trump. And he was how old at this time? He was 21 years old. Mm. Yeah, we all do stupid things when we're young, you know? Some of us, we... Uh, <laughs> We get a little too drunk and we throw up at our mom's house. Some of us uh, are involved in a Ku Klux Klan rally and get into an all-out <laughs> street brawl with the police, you know. You know, you know, boys will be boys in hood. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Boys to hateful men, of course. Um, so n- we don't know exactly if he was one of these berobed members we also know that he wasn't actually indicted on anything or officially charged with anything because the articles do mention that the charges were dropped however according to the long island daily press fred trump had the same lawyers as the other clanmen so mm. I don't know if that was just like a deal that that lawyer was running on that day or like it's coupon day <laughs> yeah. and the coupons are spelled with a K three K's <laughs> coupons oh shit oh my god buy buy a set of white sheets and get your legal defense half off oh <laughs> Fred and the rest of the Trump family claimed that Fred was wrongfully convicted by a group of violently angry police. So basically, the way that I see it is either Fred Trump was an active participant in a rally being held by the Ku Klux Klan, or he was the victim of police brutality, which is something that his son later claims has never really been an issue. (laughs) <laughs> right right yeah yeah, yeah 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 oh this is hilarious so that puts us in an interesting kind of thing. a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of thing yeah 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 isn't it isn't it funny isn't it funny how uh donald trump thinks a lot of things aren't real that very seriously affected other people yep even within his own family unless again like i said Maybe he was a Klansman. So, you know, allegedly. No one knows. And that's the other thing, too, is that uh, if you see, if you see things that say he was arrested for being in a Klan rally, that is not totally accurate because there are records of other people who were arrested at the same event um, who, weren't, who weren't a part of it at all. Apparently, the police 
arrested a different guy for uh, damaging police property. And what he did was get his foot run over by a cop car. Oh, I I thought it was going to be like slapping a box of donuts out of somebody's hand. (laughs) But that sounds way better. Yeah, he got his foot run over and they were like, you damaged our tire. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, this is cops can do whatever the fuck they want. And there's a reason that they need to have more oversight on their abilities. Totally. I mean, although citizens can be pretty wild. I remember one time when I was at a protest for police brutality and I chose to hit a cop's baton with my belly. Um, <laughs> yeah. See? I'm just, just part of violent Antifa, clearly. Know, exactly. George Soros, where is my check? <laughs> <laughs> So in the early 1930s, America was fully entrenched in the Great Depression. All over the country, people were losing their jobs and they were going hungry. It was one of the worst financial periods in our country's history. But for Fred Trump, life was fucking great. He had incorporated his own company, and in his first year, he had built over 20 homes all across Queens. While everyone else was suffering, Fred was spending his weekends going to what was only referred to as, quote, dancing parties, Um, which I assume is like a Tupperware party where someone shows white people all the latest dance moves we have for sale. (laughs) I want to say, wasn't there a thing, and maybe I am misremembering, I feel like there was an episode where we talked about something called like dance parties and it turned out it was uh essentially a strip club yeah it, it dance halls yeah i think there's different definitions i know that um these dance parties seem to be more like dance halls uh they, okay. they seem to be more just like a place where a bunch of young people got together and um kind of kind of did stuff with each other but that sounds weird sorry let me start over they were horse friends yeah they were horse helpers <laughs> it's where people went to be horse helpers for each other oh nay. and also chicken helpers specifically male chickens <laughs> yeah. uh yeah it, it it was basically like um it was just it was a place where you could go to uh to meet people to dance with other people uh because something that's very important to remember about fred senior is that uh he was dead sober he did not drink he did not smoke i believe neither does donald trump which is kind of a thing later on i think oh really it is yeah i'm not exactly sure i don't know if i believe it yeah yeah that's the thing for donald trump i'm not exactly sure but i do know that he has um a few prescriptions for things that are methamphetamine basically so um like allegedly again i'll say because that that whole thing too is a complex situation but uh at one of these dead ass sober dance parties fred met a young scottish immigrant named mary ann mcleod and fred was so smitten that he returned home to his mother that night and told her that he had met his future wife Oh, troubling. <laughs> How, what does Mary think of this? Mary, Mary McLeod? Yeah. Uh, I think that I think that she was kind of just kind of I think she was in shock at how fast things happened when she got to New York. Um, so she came from a poor family in Scotland that sent a bunch of their children over to America to become maids. Okay. Uh, but what they didn't foresee was that in America, 
they were beautiful. Mm. And so a bunch of them basically just got married really quickly. And then they went from having to be maids to having maids, which is a really fucking big head trip that will that will rear its ugly head again in our story just a little bit later. But Fred telling his mother about Mary McLeod was a huge deal because Fred was a total mama's boy. Mrs. Elizabeth Trump played a huge part in both her son's personal and business life, which is good and bad because Elizabeth Trump is one of the most complicated ladies I've ever read about. Hmm. She like Friedrich, had been born a Bavarian grape farmer. But ever since her husband had passed away, she had proven to be just as good at business as he was. And when Fred and John started their business, she was the one who was basically running the operation. She cashed the checks. She took care of the taxes. She did all of the paperwork. She was basically the one who actually ran the business for her sons. In fact, the original name of Fred's construction company was Elizabeth Trump and Son. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's this weird thing where like what kind of annoys me is that what they talk about is how Fred Trump was a self-made man, which we know isn't true because he mm-hmm. was able to he was able to use this nest egg that was put together by his parents. But it's not even fair to say that that all comes from Friedrich Trump. Because, like I said, he left his family um, a pretty good, you know, a pretty good inheritance. He Mm -hmm. had some money. He had some stocks. He also had homes that would keep making money. But as we moved into World War I and the Great Depression and everything started to go bad, um, Elizabeth Trump basically realized that some of these properties were going to start losing her money. Mm-hmm. She made a lot of really good business moves that actually kept money, and she was able to amass a small fortune of her own. Hmm. So what's weird is like this whole bullshit myth of the self-made man. It's nothing. It's total bullshit. It doesn't exist. But you could make an argument that the Trump family legacy starts with a self-made woman. Why wouldn't you do that? That's way fucking cooler, dude. Especially for the time, you know, when... That was not common or even really acceptable at the time. No, no. The only reason that she was able to do any of these things is because she was basically acting on her husband's estate. I mean, back in those days, women sort of got married because that's what you did. And Mm -hmm. they sort of legally had to because they couldn't they couldn't really like work on their own. But there is this kind of widower loophole that goes back even further than that, where like if your husband dies then you can sort of do things. And a lot of women gained a lot of independence. And they're like, well, I don't want to have to give this up for a man now. Like, I like being my own. Right. Exactly. Like, she was super sad at the funeral. Don't get me wrong. She was very sad when Friedrich passed away. But there has to be a little bit of her that walked out of the will reading, just like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Spend a little tower. Spend a lot of money and build a house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 just like this thing that's, it's actually kind of mind-blowing that no one tries to lead with this story. Because I think this story is actually the interesting part. Yeah, like, why doesn't Ivanka bring this up? 
Yeah, right? Ever. And also remember that she is doing this. Elizabeth Trump is doing this after her mother-in-law for years made a big stink about how she wasn't even good enough to have the Trump family name. And now she is effectively the one who is keeping the legacy alive. Hell yeah, dude. But that makes it super fucking weird when she basically pulls the same shit on Mary McLeod in the 1930s. Because Mrs. Elizabeth Trump told her son Fred that Mary was just a lazy immigrant who had come to America to land a good husband with her beautiful looks. What the fuck? You mean like... Like your husband? What? Like, what? I don't understand. I Like, I don't understand this idea of like, I did it and it was okay for me, but like, no one else can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... it's this is one of the reasons why I wanted to cover his early family life because you see the start of these cycles of abuse where like Elizabeth Trump had it happen to her. Mary McLeod had it happen to her. Basically just this thing that keeps going on and on and on and on. That's crazy. However, despite his mother's criticism, Fred fell head over heels for Mary and the two were inseparable. They were married on January 11th, 1936. Although, Fred wasn't really great at romance. Uh, apparently, the couple only had a one-night honeymoon in Atlantic City so that he could be back in the office on Monday morning. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, because if there's one, th one way that we can describe Fred Trump, he is always thinking about the next project before he finishes whatever he's currently working on yeah. whether that be personal or business that is what he's always doing he has big i don't make her come energy allegedly 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 i was gonna say that that also sounds like me trying to make paintings of just like but what if I just stopped this painting and made a whole other one and then you just have a hundred unfinished paintings? Yeah. Andrea has strong, I don't make paintings come energy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Although I will say Fred, Fred, he probably had strong fingers. He was a horse's helper. You know, he probably knows what he's doing down there. Look, we can't all be Bob Ross. <laughs> Around this same time, Fred had also begun branching out into a different market. Literally, he had visited a supermarket owned by a company called King Colon. And they... <laughs> yeah, Gross. Yeah. King Colon promises two things. Fresh produce and a Team Edward-themed shopping experience. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everything shines and sparkles in the light. It's great. It's beautiful. Uh, speaking of Edward, uh, tune into Romancing the Pod, where we are doing Twilight on an upcoming episode. It'll drop on Thanksgiving. Yes, 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 yes. Not many people know this. We had a conversation about this before. Armando Torres was a genuine fan of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I'm saying this without, with 0% sarcasm. I read every single book and I watched every single movie when it came out. And the fact that he definitely grew out of this phase is something that I'm definitely thankful for. <laughs> <laughs> grew out of. I mean... I, I don't know about you, but I feel like Edward could jump a mean ladder. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I loved him, baby. That's why I loved him. Uh, so King Colin's story is actually really fucking interesting. 
So back in the day, grocery stores worked a lot like Postmates or DoorDash. Essentially, you would open a line of credit, you would place an order for your groceries, and then someone would pick them out for you and deliver them to your home. But a manager at Kroger's named Michael J. Colon had a dream. Mostly, he dreamt about not having to fucking pick up your groceries for you. That was like his main thing. Yeah. He thought that stores should pivot to focus on low prices and cash sales by cutting out their delivery service. In fact, he felt so strongly about this that he wrote a six-page manifesto to the vice president <laughs> of Kroger's, outlining his entire vision in excruciating detail. And wow. I was like, dude, can you get a hobby or something? Go home. <laughs> Just take the eggs up the five-story walk-up. Like, quit complaining. <laughs> Let me say that first, I love Kroger's with all of the grace of God. <laughs> this is a real mind Kroger moment. <laughs> Kroger! So, so Michael believed that grocery stores should be large buildings with ample parking located near people's homes. So not a Trader Joe's. No, <laughs> the opposite. It's, it's of a that Trader ample Joe's. parking Joe's. part. <laughs> I feel like Trader Joe's should be sued for negligence because of the amount of accidents and harm that happened in those shitty parking lots. Well, you heard there was like a thing that came out where they do it on purpose to make them seem more busy. Like they yeah. always have too small of a parking lot and I hate it. That's why I don't shop there. Michael also wrote that doing this would allow Kroger's to achieve 10 times the profits while forcing customers to do 80% of the work themselves. Because all the employees would have to do is keep the shelves stocked and cash out people. That was it. Yeah. That, that was the only work that would need to be done other than, you know, occasional maintenance and cleaning. He ended his proposal by saying that he would make Kroger's, quote, the greatest grocery chain on the face of the earth. And Kroger is still around almost a hundred years later. So what does that tell you? He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Unfortunately, no one ever responded to Michael's letter. <laughs> oh, there's nothing sadder than Oops. posting a manifesto with one upvote. <laughs> His tweet got one like. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck, fuck everyone. Been there. Michael was so pissed off that he quit his job, sold his house, moved his family to New York, and used all of his money to buy an empty warehouse in Queens where he set up the world's first supermarket called King Colon. And it was a wild success. Yeah, of course. Yeah. People came from over a hundred miles away just to shop for themselves. That's how much people wanted this to be a thing. In their first two years of business, King Colon opened up eight stores and made $2.9 million in the middle of the Great Depression. That's, That's insane. Impressive. That is crazy. Yeah. Also, I'm sure, like, if anyone has ever ordered Instacart and you have tried to get fresh produce via Instacart and had someone bring you rotten, shitty, damaged produce, I'm sure that was happening all the time. And I'm sure that's the main reason people are like, I'll just fucking pick it out myself. Yeah. Uh, due to the pandemic, we use Instacart quite often. We got a delivery right before we started recording. 
Uh, I don't know if any of you have tried to order tuna and got cat food, but that's a thing. Like, <laughs> it's this frustrating. Like, I cannot tell you how many times we have, like, looked at what we ended up with from Instacart and just been like, what were they thinking? Does this person never grocery shop? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. I eat cat food. Maybe. That's it is my sad. favorite dish. Tip your Instacart drivers. There is no doubt. There is almost no doubt in my mind that Fred was one of King Cullen's many customers and that he noticed the genius behind Michael's idea. He loved it so much that he stole it. And before King Cullen could break into the Woodhaven area, he opened up Trump Market. And Ooh. Michael Cullen was fucking pissed. But nobody seemed to care if the idea was original. They only cared that there was a supermarket close to him. And after a very successful six months, Trump finally agreed to sell his market to the reluctant King Colin. Oh, that's brutal. So, like, he basically just stole his idea and then charged him for it. Yeah, he charged him to break into the market. And the most insulting part is after Fred Trump sold Trump market, he basically did a, a, a newspaper interview where they were like, wow, that was a great idea for you to sell the market to the guy who fucking invented the market. And he was like, yeah, I don't know if I'd ever put my name on a building again. That just seems like a dumb fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? I mean, it's hilarious that he never, ever, ever put his name on any buildings again. Definitely not a giant golden skyscraper. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it, it was, what he was doing is he was giving a veiled insult to Michael Cullen. He was like, uh, you put your name on your building? I don't even think I need to do that. And also, this is, this is still bullshit because as we'll learn later, Fred Trump built an entire like series of homes that he put his fucking name on. So it was just a thinly veiled insult. He's just a dick. Yeah, he's basically. just a fucking dick. You describing Fred Trump reminds me of artists who are not very good at art, but like their signature is just huge on the bottom <laughs> of their painting. Yes. And it's like, dude. No one needs to authenticate it. No one is buying this. Like, just chill out. <laughs> yeah, they got fucking signatures like Donald Trump's where it's just like as big as possible with a fucking spray paint bottle if or a spray paint can if he could make it happen. So life was truly good for Fred Trump. But on October 14th, 1938, everything changed when his wife Mary gave birth to the couple's firstborn son. This is when Fred met the boy who was supposed to carry on his legacy, Frederick Trump Jr., or Freddie for short. Around the time his son was born, Fred realized that his days of legacy building were running out. And sure, he had amassed a small fortune through his cunning business strategies, but Fred wanted more than that. He wanted to be remembered forever. So he took a look around him to try to spot another need where no one else saw one. And it was going to be tough. The depression was still fucking everyone up. People were losing their jobs. People were losing funding for projects. And that's when Fred had a realization. In the middle of these failures was a golden opportunity to sweep in and prosper. Through a very smart move in federal court, 
Fred was able to acquire the mortgage servicing subsidiary of the J. Laren Kraus Corporation. This gave him access to titles of properties that were about to be foreclosed on, which he quickly bought for very cheap and sold for a very good profit. People do that now. Like, that's yeah. still a thing because in a lot of, I mean, it depends on where you're at. But essentially, like, that's why HGTV is what it is now. Like, that's house flippers. That's that's sometimes the only way that people can afford to buy homes in California. Like, it's it's not great for the real estate industry in general, but it's also it's one of those catch 22s where like. It's bad because it drives up the price in an area that might have more affordable homes that need a little bit of TLC. Yeah. To bring him back and be, you know, a, a livable home at a lower price. Um, but without selling those homes and without advertising it, some people wouldn't know that those prices were available. So it's this like tricky. It's tough. It's a yeah. complicated issue. It is. And after President Roosevelt launched the Federal Housing Administration, which insured mortgages for buildings meant to house low income families, Fred took out several loan subsidies and made the most out of his newfound government funding by hiring over 400 workers and building more homes than he ever had before. As America entered World War II, Fred saw another opportunity. There was good money in government contracts, and he wanted all of it. The Trump company started building on military bases and even started work on low-cost housing for when veterans returned home from war. By the time the Great Depression was coming to a close, Fred Trump Sr. had solidified himself as one of the richest and most successful real estate men in all of New York. And his signature antics were being noticed by everyone in the city. He was actually one of the pioneers of, quote, low-sounding prices. So instead of listing a property for $4,000, he would list it for $3,999.99. Hmm. It's basically that practice. It, it was something that he apparently learned from his father. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not really <laughs> sure. Where did he learn that? What was he pricing like that? <laughs> so this vagina is available for $69.69. <laughs> it's one gold nugget, 0. .999. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. There had to be there had to be somebody working for him that called their clitoris a golden nugget, right? There had to be. If you were a gold rush sex worker and you did not call it the golden nugget, I mean, you're fucking up. I'm fucking up. Yeah. See that vein? That vein is gold down there, honey. <laughs> oh, jeez. So Fred also leased his buildings on 99-year contracts, which made his customers sure that their home wouldn't be bought out or demolished, leaving them homeless without warning, which is something that did happen at the start of the Great Depression. He had even developed a habit for being a bit of a showboat. Again, literally. He used to hold annual events off the shore of Coney Island where he would drive his huge yacht named the Trump Showboat while blasting the national anthem so loud that it hurt people's ears. <laughs> it's just pre-MAGA. Yeah. Oh, man. That's exactly what it was. And remember, back in the day, because we were in the middle of a fucking war, 
People were so patriotic that even though it hurt their fucking ears and they were annoyed as shit because they just wanted to be at the beach, when the when the yacht passed by playing the national anthem, they were forced to stand up and salute until it passed them by. Amazing. Amazing. During okay. during the showboating, he would also run these wild ass promotions. One year, he even released a bunch of swordfish-shaped balloons into the ocean, and if you caught one you would receive anywhere between 25 to 250 dollars off a home so he basically that's not that much well it at, was, at the time yeah remember that homes are being sold for like seven grand you okay know? okay it, it, it was it wasn't a lot but it was it was pretty fucking crazy that you could catch a swordfish shaped balloon and then get 250 dollars off right. also he probably really fucked up the heads of whatever sea life was in Coney Island, right? Like, yeah, no, totally. They were just like, sharks are in the water. Like, oh, God, we're under attack. Yeah, he's essentially littering and then just being like. Yeah, and then forcing other people to clean it up. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he's doing. Like, imagine being somebody just swimming in the water as the yacht passes you by and you have no idea. You come up for air and you're just surrounded by swordfish-shaped balloons and you're like, what's going on? And this giant fucking boat is driving by and all you hear is, it's a grand old flag, it's a high flag. Shit is so stupid. Or the prices we cut for the houses we're selling. And the swordfish balloons <laughs> for you stupid buffoons are coupons I send that I will not be cleaning. Bravo. I'm sorry, Bravo. I'm sorry I woke you up, McCready. <laughs> Once again, Fred was living it up, and he had his cunning to thank for that. Unfortunately, some people didn't see it the same way. The United States government had a different name for Trump's ideas. <laughs> they called it predatory business practices and profiteering. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Saw that one coming, baby. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so the first sign that things weren't what they were supposed to be came around the start of World War II. See, it was the second time that the Germans had made an appearance as the bad guys. And with the news starting to break about what this Hitler guy was up to, suddenly it wasn't a great time to be a proud German in America. There's a reason that my grandparents didn't teach my mother and her siblings German. So oh, yeah. both my grandparents spoke German in the home and my mom. So because of that, my mom can understand some German, but mm -hmm. they never forced her to learn. They never spoke to her in German. They always spoke to my mom and her family in English because they were afraid of that stigma. Well, remember that they, they forced him to learn German and English as yeah. a child. And in fact, when he first started doing business, Fred Trump would only conduct business in German because he thought it was a more straightforward language. Wow. Interesting. I also, uh, I mean, the Italians were not great in World War II as well. Uh, my grandparents were not taught to speak Italian. It wasn't spoken in the home because they were they tried to assimilate as well. It's it's yeah it, it, discrimination based on I mean we've seen this all over it, with Germans it was really bad with Italians like you said it was also really fucked up. 
Um, most notably, as far as I can remember, but I'm sure it's happened many other times when, when you know, what we did to the Japanese. Yeah. Oh, like the internment camps? Yeah. The literal concentration camps? Yes. Yeah. So it's, you can't fucking, you can't do this to people based on, you know, what a fucking country they don't live in is doing. It's fucking ridiculous. That's so stupid. My best friend's family owned property like very lucrative property in Northern California. And it was taken when they were put in concentration camps yeah. during Ooh. World War II it's in America. Fucking awful. Yep. So the fucking happened. Fred Trump was a very, very German dude. Like I said, he loved speaking German. Uh, he grew up in an area heavily populated by German people. And his fucking dad's name was Friedrich Trump. So it's pretty obvious that the dude was German. But now that things were getting hot, Fred started lying and telling everyone that he and his family were actually Swedish. Um <laughs> He didn't actually do anything to like further this. He didn't change his name or stop speaking German. Ah, uh, yes, we are the German speaking Swedishes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> Swedish fish is my favorite. And people would just be like, "Bro, are you are you German?" And he was like, "No, this is Nine. what this is what we sound like in Sweden." Yeah. We were in the crazy. back. We 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 all we heard was yodeling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember being little boy in Sweden and just loving Oktoberfest. I mean, um, Swedish fest. Swedish fish? Is that what we have? Is that our flag? Swedish fish? Have you guys ever put anybody in a bear and then burned them alive <laughs> in, an, in a yellow airframe house? You should try it. It's great. <laughs> you should try Swedish cuisine from Master Chef, the Swedish chef. He makes <laughs> very from good Muppets? From the Muppets, yeah. His orca is the Borkiest. <laughs> Also, uh, one of my favorite things is that he, uh, I mean, okay, this is going to sound terrible if I call it one of my favorite things, but when the news started breaking about how the Germans were treating Jewish people in Germany, Fred Trump was so scared that he actually started to overcompensate by trying to amass as many Jewish friends as humanly possible. Oh, Wait, no. Really? Yeah, because he didn't want anyone to uh, to assume that he was anti-Semitic, even though he, he was. He was definitely a fucking racist and an anti-Semite, but his anti-Semitism was different because in his mind, Jews have money, and so they're the ones who are going to be renting his property. Interesting. But he didn't want people to think that he didn't like Jewish people. So he gave a bunch of money to Jewish charities. Uh, he spent a bunch of time around Jewish people. He basically would like take pictures with people and be like, ah, see, I got Jewish friends. Yeah. So for mm. Trump, capitalism literally trumped racism. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely. After that, people started to notice other weird things about Fred. Like how he regularly rented his properties to himself using those Federal Housing Administration loans. Whoa, what? Yeah. Remember how I said that he would do that 99-year lease thing to try to make people, quote-unquote, feel better and have safety? Right. Well, it also meant that if he ever defaulted on his 99-year lease to himself, the government would be forced to pay him back millions of dollars. That's super Whoa. illegal, right? Yeah, yes. super fucking illegal. They also realized that the Trump company wildly overestimated building costs on military projects. Just like when he was a kid, 
Fred would ask for way more than needed so that he could skim off the top in order to start on another project. I am going to level with you. This is very common. Like, this isn't something that just, like, the cut rate people do. This is something that most businesses that create a product do because if you can cut corners, why not make that extra profit? Yeah, definitely. So if you see a very successful business, they're probably doing this somewhere somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the first pieces of information about Fred Trump and his ideas of success come from these early cases and investigations because his defenses actually give us a lot of insight into how his dumbass brain worked. Hmm. Uh, to put it in the simplest of terms, he was like a fucking dragon. Sure, he had a nice house, he had a limousine, he had a yacht, whatever. But on a day-to-day basis, he tried as hard as he could to avoid spending any money possible. He put all of his cash in the bank, and his only goal was to amass as much of it as humanly possible. Like, he didn't care what the money could actually do. What he liked was seeing that big fucking number next to his balance. I mean, Hmm. it is... The thing about any type of addiction is that it lights up this part of your brain that is like, I did a good thing. And amassing large sums of wealth is almost in some ways like an addiction because at a certain point you can't even use that, but you're still getting that dopamine from the addiction. Definitely. He also, he used this belief to claim innocence. So basically Fred Trump claimed that since the money sat in his company's bank account and that he had never actually withdrawn it, that he didn't technically profit from these schemes. (laughs) What? What? Okay, dude. And if he didn't quote unquote profit, then he technically couldn't be a profiteer. And for some weird reason, this fucking argument worked. What? Did he have to pay money back? Uh, Not that I know of. As as far as I know, Fred was never officially indicted on anything. And the only repercussion is that the FHA tightened their policies to try and prevent people from taking advantage of them again. Wow. Yeah. And then someone will go to jail for like 20 years for robbing a convenience store and getting $20. Like, what the fuck is this country? But to Fred, the message was clear. His days in business were numbered. He had realized it when his son was born, but after the investigations, he was absolutely positive. If he was going to have a long and lasting legacy, he needed to get started on training his replacement. Fred knew that in order to get ahead in the world of New York real estate, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes even if it means cheating on your taxes, lying about your heritage, and stealing money from the United States military. You need to be a killer, a winner, someone who stops at nothing to be the best and who can shrug off accusations without any effort. His father had left him and his family a solid little nest egg, but Fred was going to leave his family something better. He was going to shape his heir into the perfect version of himself. He didn't want a son. He wanted a surrogate. So from this point forward, Fred Trump Sr. turned all of his attention to his oldest son, Frederick Trump Jr. And that is where we will pick up next week on part three of our series on Donald Trump. Dang, this is so interesting. (laughs) This is really interesting, especially the part about shaping his hair. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny how uh, Friedrich Trump had the little. What did a man look like? He a had a Pringle Pringles. on his head. Yeah, he's yeah. got a Pringle on his head. He put a Pringle on his head. He had that little like fucking Pringle. Fred Trump Senior is a man who was born old. He looks so bad. Even as a young man, he looked like an old Walt Disney. Do you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. Yeah. he looks so bad. I showed Andrea the youngest picture of him I could find. And she was like, is he 50 here? <laughs> so Fred Sr. went bald pretty fucking quickly. And you kind of see that he has this signature hairstyle too, where he kind of does, he like sweeps his hair forward and then backward to kind of create mm-hmm. like a, a sort of um like hair a comb over yeah he, yeah he well it's weird because it's it is it is a comb over but it's like a it's like the brim of a baseball hat is what they the trumps try to make out of their hair like i've spent a lot of time looking at pictures of the trumps recently which i do not recommend by the way and the uh, nightmares are something horrible <laughs> yeah just absolutely terrible I just do you think Donald Trump's hair is real because he asserts it's real. Yes, I do think it's real. However, I think that his hair is a lot like one of their buildings in that the the weirdness about it is meant to detract from the the noticeable faults in it, if that makes sense. Yes. It's like because if you when you see his hair being blown by the wind. He has bald spots and these like wispy things of hair. And so like it is his hair. He also, I will say this, he also takes a drug meant to help men with prostate issues that also has a side effect of increasing hair growth. So he interesting. He takes this weird fucking medicine that's supposed to, you know, be for something else that is supposed to, you know, promote hair growth. He he cares a lot about his hair, which is weird because I've seen pictures of him with with a hat on and then he takes it off and he has like a normal haircut. Like when he when he cuz you when you wear a hat, you push your hair back and then you put the hat on. And so when he right. takes the hat off, it just looks like his hair is slicked back and it looks fine. It looks like Eric Trump basically cuz Eric Trump is always doing like the Dracula. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, I really do want to shit on Trump and his fucking hair, but it, he, if he just like, if he just did it like a normal person, it wouldn't look that bad. Like he wouldn't look half as bad as he does if he was just like, okay, I'm just gonna admit that, like, yeah, I've been spray tanning and yeah, my hair fucking sucks. I'm just gonna embrace it. You know, it would look fucking mm-hmm. fine. <sighs> but yeah, their hair is something to admire. Their work ethic is something to prosecute. Uh, the Trump-, <laughs> <laughs> Trump family is fucking weird. I guess you do have to admire just the engineering behind the hair, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it really is like it is. It, it's kind of like when you are supposed to build a bridge out of toothpicks in middle school and like see how much weight it holds. That's how I feel about the Trump hair. Yeah, that's also how they build their egos. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to put money that his hair is just an erector set, honestly. <laughs> erector? Hardly nowhere. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. I understand not loving your hair, but dude, Donald, if you're listening, and I know you fucking are, bro. I know you're a fucking <laughs> cool podcast fan, bro. I know you love it. Um, just embrace your normal fucking hair, dude. 
just just love yourself for who you are. Nope, 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 nope. Yourself is is racist and is responsible for putting kids in cages and a lot of stuff. So like, how that's about true. No? That's true. Yeah, just hate yourself for who you are. You piece of <laughs> there shit. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think that any sort of self-love or self-hate would require Donald Trump to be honest with himself about who he really is. And I don't think he's really capable of that. No. I agree. No. And this is, I know this is the second episode that we have covered somebody that isn't, you know, Donald Trump that himself. Uh, but the reason that we're doing this. So episode one, I wanted to cover sort of the history of the legacy because there's all of these lies that exist around who Donald Trump is, who his family is, and like what their actual story is. This episode, I wanted to build up one of the main people who helped shape Donald Trump into who he would become, his fucking father, and sort of why the situation happened. Um, because as we'll get into next week, as we cover Donald's life prior to becoming a, a politician, he 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 was he was never supposed to be the 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 heir to the Trump family fortune. He was never right. supposed to be this. And also, Fred Trump Sr. never wanted kids. He only saw them as a means to an end in passing on his legacy. Because remember how I said that his life changed when his first son was born? They had a daughter before that. Yeah. It just didn't matter to him because the only thing that matters is the firstborn son. And so it's just kind of uh, what we're doing here is I, I want to examine the context of this person as a whole before we start going into sort of the cult-like practices um, involving people like QAnon, involving uh, the very divisive split between the Democrats and the Republicans that has been building up for really now generations. Yeah. It's a fucking wild ride, but you need to understand a lot before we just fucking dive into it. So next week is going to be um, equally upsetting, but also equally fun as we sort of cover the history of Donald Trump, his business practices, and everything that he did prior to his political aspirations. I'm excited. This has been really, really interesting. So this episode, just like every episode, is sponsored by uh, Fred Trump's swordfish-shaped balloons. Do you need <laughs> an interesting way to get your business idea out there? Do you need an interesting way to pollute the environment? <laughs> It's Are you a fisherman that's having a birthday and you want to <laughs> give your friends something to take home with them to remember their birthday by? Before there was Squarespace, there was swordfish-shaped balloons. The best way to get your business idea out there. If you've got any sort of business idea, you gotta have a swordfish balloon. You can't trust people to just see your loud boat. <laughs> You know, you know that it took a couple of tries before he landed on swordfish, right? Like, I bet, oh, yeah. I bet the first one was like, why don't we get shock-shaped balloons? And everyone was like, no, 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 Bad idea. Oh, my God. No, this episode is actually brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. This episode in particular is brought to you by our Patreon donor, Dylan. 
Sup, Dylan? Dylan says, finally caught up to the most recent episode after so many days of binge listening. I feel it's my obligation to become a co-cult leader in the beautiful cheese cult you have created. XO, <laughs> thanks for being so awesome and easily my best podcast friends. P.S. I'm writing this while drinking coffee across the street from Andrea's alma mater, Milwaukee number one. Bow, bow, bow. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I didn't realize that my Ed's coffee shop, which burned down in a fire when I was just out of college, uh, was rebuilt. So I'm glad to hear it. The way you said that <laughs> made it sound like you're the one who burned it down. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize. realize that my work was not finished. So uh... <laughs> I didn't realize they put it back up. <laughs> I have to go to Milwaukee right now. BRB. Yeah. The way you said it too, it just made it seem like there was some ancient evil living deep within the coffee shop. And you're like, it's returned. Legit. That... <laughs> We've got to kill the book. <laughs> so where I lived when I was first going to that school, I had transferred to, to my ad and I transferred to that school as a sophomore but my dormitory was connected to the building that was the school's like coffee shop, quote unquote. And okay. so when the coffee shop burned down, they stopped using those dormitories. Uh, and then it was just vacant for like a couple years. So they just had like boarded up windows. It was very sad. And everyone was very sleepy. Yeah. Because they didn't have any coffee. <laughs> Thanks for holding Milwaukee down for me. It's dope. Dylan's <laughs> out here running Milwaukee. Represent. I know, Dylan, look, I know that you are running everything in Milwaukee right now, and that's a lot of pressure, but I'm glad to hear that you can get coffee for it. So, Dylan, Dylan, hold it in the streets down. Good for you, Dylan. So proud of you. Uh, hey, if you want to send me um, your King colon slash Edward colon fan fiction. Uh, <laughs> where Edward Cullen gets deep inside a supermarket, then uh, I want you to go ahead and write that up in a six-page manifesto and send it to me on Instagram or Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. Can I just say, I'm not going to be reading anything that's six pages long. That sounds like a lot of homework for a manifesto. <laughs> Also, I am going to say, when you said colon the first few times, I thought you meant like C-O-L-O-N. And that's I was like, how that's I heard it too. And now <laughs> I'm realizing it's Cullen. And oh. that's why you made that Twilight joke. Yeah. And I was like, that's a horrible and disgusting name for a supermarket. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, King Colon is not doing it so hot anymore. Uh, yeah. And it might have something to do with the fact that you are right in that they sound like they sound like the tri-state area's top salesman for toilets. King Colon, we've got the shits. <laughs> you got probiotics, we got a bowl. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. This produce is the shit. <laughs> uh, all prunes, all the time. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Andrea Cassetta here. If you want to send me your most artistically crafted hair pieces... I want to see photos of them. 
I want to see, like, you made a crazy crown out of a wig. It's like some Marie Antoinette shit. Like, I want to see all of your crazy hair pieces. I am curious. I have questions. Uh, send those to me on all the things at Sundress Comic or at Andrea Gazette on Instagram. And also, I just added a bunch of prints and jewelry and stickers and affordable art things to my shop yesterday. And if you want a piece of that action to find some cool gifts for your family, check it out at AndreaGazetta.com. I'm not being uh, I'm not being hyperbolic here. You should act quickly because some of those items have already sold out. Yeah, that's true. That's for real, for sure. So get them while you can. Yeah. The quantities are limited. They look fucking awesome. You are going to want to act fast. Limited AF. Here's what I want from you. I want you to look around your house, your apartment, your cardboard castle that you've built under an overpass. (laughs) I, I want you to look around and think to yourself, what could I use? To make it look like I have Donald Trump hair. A <gasps> towel, pool noodles, chopsticks, uh, a cat, whatever it is. I want you to use an object from around your house. You can't buy anything. you got to find it around your house and make it look like you have Donald Trump hair. And please send me pictures. You can send those to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Yes, and if we get any good ones, we are for sure going to post them on Colt Podcast social Absolutely. media. Yeah, it, instead of Pringles, I really hope someone uses just wrap, wrap snacks potato <laughs> chips to make a hairpiece. Oh. I want to see that so bad. Oh, my God. Uh, and if you are looking for another place to listen to Colt Podcast, may I suggest Rooster Tea? We still don't know what birds sound like. Um, <laughs> if you if you like our show and you want to listen to it somewhere, you can go to roosterteeth.com. You can also download Rooster Teeth's official app. Uh, they have got a bunch of other really great quality shows there too, like our friends at Good Morning From Hell, Red Web, and Black Box Down. Uh, we are trying to line up our releases so that the release days are, uh, you know, at the same time. But there are already a, a number of episodes on Rooster Teeth of ours right now and more are being added all the time. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, our friends at Rooster Teeth are great. And I'm really fucking proud of them for doing this this event that they did yesterday where they raised like fucking over a million dollars for change. Yeah, it was crazy. I saw that on Instagram. That's, yeah, that's super cool. Good job, Rooster Teeth. Oh, I was going to say you should talk about Med Local. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Armando forgot he started a clothing brand. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, because it's so different from Cold Podcast, I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hey, if you've got somebody or yourself who loves a lot of fashion and you want to check out a clothing brand started by a yours truly, then uh, might I suggest heading over to madlocal.org or at madlocalla on Instagram. Uh, I started up a clothing brand during quarantine, like I'm sure many other uh, young Latino men in Los Angeles have. Um, It's kind (laughs) of our thing. Barbers are this. That's really it. 
the brand is is very meaningful to me. I really love this city. It is where I grew up. Um, I have a strong attachment to this place. And so what I wanted to do was create clothing that was uh, completely based in Los Angeles. So not only are our, uh, our actual clothing itself, it's manufactured all in Los Angeles, California by people paid a fair and living wage. In most instances, the people doing the sewing actually own part of the company. So it's it's kind of this like cool co-op situation. Um, our shirts are actually made out of 100% recycled cotton too. So not only are we ethical as hell, we are environmentally friendly as all get out. I don't know why I said it like that, like I'm a fucking 1930s cartoon character, but we are where we are. Um, we also donate 10% of our profits to a different organization or charity based in Los Angeles. And this winter we are donating part of our profits to organizations focused on fighting for justice and equity, as well as police reform and defunding the police. So go ahead and check out, like I said, madlocal.org or at madlocalla all one word on Instagram. Uh, that will go live on Friday, but we will have, especially in our in Instagram, a lot of information, teasers, pictures, and even a video lookbook that I'm so fucking hyped on because all these crazy things just like came together because LA is this great place where it's such a small world, you know? It's such a small world when you're from here and it's fucking great. We. We, saw, we met a guy who let us ride his motorcycle around. Uh, we met a tagger who did not care that we filmed him tagging in Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, he's fully masked up, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That shit was crazy. We saw a tagger that was tagging, and I told the videographer, like, yo, get a shot of this. And so he's filming him, and the tagger turns around and looks at the guy holding the camera and goes, hey, yo, Joel, I know you. And then it turns <laughs> out that they were fucking, like... I guess they, they uh, one of them is dating somebody else's cousin. And so that's Los Angeles. It's adorable. It's, it's a, really there you cute. Go. It's a great crazy. And quote. the designs are really cool. Yeah. They are very very cool. It's super awesome. I'm so proud of them. If you've ever bought an, a if you've ever bought a cult podcast uh piece of clothing before, especially our tricks and treats shirts, you will be able to know that I I fucking t I take clothing very very seriously. Um, all of these pieces are quality made, and uh, I think the designs are fucking out of sight. I love them so much. Um, so yeah, madlocal.org or at madlocalla on Instagram. Uh, if you like our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email or a, an e swordfish balloon to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or you could send us actual swordfish balloons to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Or send us real swordfish uh, in it's a full delicious. fish tank. Oh, yeah. Oh. Dead. Dead, too. That works, too. I want to well, raise a swordfish. <laughs> <gasps> I want to have a swordfish and use it like a sword. Is that real? No, you would kill the swordfish for sure. Huh? Yeah. But absolutely. he would die defending me. Only in the water. That's fair. And then he would probably kill me, actually, now that I think about it, yeah. for sure. And <laughs> I, and I think I'm going to say don't drink anything from a colon market <laughs> oh yeah gross <laughs> this tastes like shit <laughs> yes 
Uh, and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Now Armando's just gonna go Google "Can I own a swordfish?" and it's gonna be a Can whole. Can I own thing. a swordfish? <laughs>